Hello, and welcome to Living in This Queer Body, a podcast about barriers to embodiment and how our collective body stories bring us back to ourselves. I'm Asher Panjuris, and as always, thank you for joining me. I encourage all of you to head over to my website, livinginthisqueerbody.com, to sign up for my email newsletter. That's probably the best way to stay in touch with me and all the Living in This Queer Body happenings. Each month, I highlight a podcast alum and the amazing people that they are. It's also the best place to hear about opportunities to work with me. I always have something shifting and changing and opening up and This summer, I'll definitely have a few one-on-one ponder together sessions opening up. So stay tuned um, and sign up for the newsletter. So today, I have the real pleasure of sharing a conversation with the astrologer Alice Sparkly Cat. They use astrology to rechart a history of the subconscious, redefine the body in world, and imagine history as collective memory. Their astrological work has inhabited MoMA, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and the Brooklyn Museum. They are the author of Postcolonial Astrology, Reading the Planets Through Capital, Power, and Labor, a recently released book that you should all check out. We had a lovely conversation on a wide range of topics, including the power of magical recognition, what it feels like to witness trillions of cicadas, language as an organizing tool, the influence of feminist zine culture, horoscopes, what makes astrology Western, and of course, perhaps predictably, queer's kinky relationship to astrology. I hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you write a review, you will 100% get a big-time shout-out on my Instagram. It really gives this project such a boost to get those reviews. Okay, on to the show. And in the meantime, try to be easy on yourselves and each other. It's really nice to have you here uh, on the podcast. It's uh, quite a pleasure, and I'm glad we're we're getting time to to chat um, about you and about your work. Thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to talk. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll start out with the question I tend to start out um, each interview with, which is, and you can kind of take this question wherever you want to take it, but I'm curious to hear what your earliest memories are of either being in a body or learning about what it meant to be in a body. Whoa, I like that question. Yeah, when I was a kid, I mean, you know, that's the earliest memories. I think my earliest memory is just like 
of me with my mom. She's riding her bike on, and I'm on the back of the bike. Mm-hmm. So every time she hits like a like a bump, like it really hurts. Uh, so I think that's kind of my earliest memory of being in the body. I think mm-hmm. I have a memory of her washing me in sink too, like as a baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your mom is uh what's your relationship kind of with your mom i mean obviously probably complicated but what are your when you think about those early memories of kind of being like with her what does that feel like thinking about that are those like fond memories or i think so yeah i think it kind of feels like i'm in a different body sometimes honestly because that was before Hmm. i immigrated so that was on china like the way that your body feels in China is just really different because there isn't so much ten- temperature control. So when it gets really hot, like you feel really sticky all the time. Mm. Um, when it's cold, like you wear like many, many layers. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a really different experience. Um, yeah, my mom, she's in the other room because I'm at my parents' house. So it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to answer that question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's complicated. Uh, we did shrooms together yesterday and that was fun uh yeah i mean we're close mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you want to share what what happened yesterday with um just because it's pretty timely and interesting event that happened oh yeah so like there's like so i was like i wanted to have this really nice and beautiful day with my mom it's her first time doing shrooms so i was like we'll go to a forest and we'll see kind of like trees dancing and have a nice conversation so we did them and then we went, but right now is like the peak of the like, uh, like brood X cicada 17 year cycle mating season. So there's just trillions of swarms of cicadas, um, like screaming and horniness and they have no instincts around being prey because their primary predator is actually the magic mushroom and not any animals so they'll just fly on you like you have to like you know you have to pluck them off with your bare hands they don't really they you can't swat them away so there's just all these cicadas flying on us and my mom's not scared at all because she's like i used to hunt them and eat them when i was yeah well she would hunt the nymph uh not the actual cicada because there's more Mm -hmm. But like, you know, she's like kicking them. They'll go flying the air before they fly because they have no instincts. But then I found out like the primary predator is is shrooms. So I'm like, wow, the shrooms, it kind of like called us into this forest. That's really the cicadas world. Oh, my God. Wow. And you two, I guess we're having, I mean, somewhat because of your own histories, I guess, having kind of different experiences I, of that, of the cicada. I think so totally, yeah. yeah. Cause I felt very vulnerable. I felt like I had no skin. So mm. it was just really scary for me to be surrounded by a lot of roaches that resemble, or like bugs that resemble roaches. Cause I'm very scared of roaches. Oh God, oh but no. Mom, oh, no. she was just like holding them. She's like, I don't even see them. Yeah, when I was <laughs> little, we would have to come, like come out at night and look for them with flashlights. So it's cool. There's like so abundant. <laughs> wow, wow. It sounds like maybe it was cool to have her her there as a um as a grounding force um in the midst of of all of that 
Uh, it was, yeah, yeah. She liked it. She was like, oh, you yeah. seem like a little baby. <laughs> I had to protect you. Wow. How interesting. Oh, wow. That's a, that's, it's interesting how, how quickly you, you were able to tie that, um, that experience yesterday to some of your earliest memories of being with your mom and kind of feeling, yeah, totally. yeah feeling sort of cared for in that way. Um, like bodily care. Um, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. She was like putting her arm around me, like, okay, I'll protect you from this occasion. Oh. Um, but then like one flew like right between us on her shirt. I was like, oh my God. No, 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 no. Wow. Wow. What a wild experience that you didn't expect exactly. But I guess that's yeah, right? the, the point, maybe a little bit of that of that adventure. Um cool that you can go adventuring with with your mom. Is that something the two of you, not necessarily the shrooms, but adventuring and like, is that something you, you learned from her or is that something that you kind of, I don't know, is that that spirit of like exploration and adventure something that you learned from her or where did, where did that come from in you? Uh, I would not say that we're adventuring people at all. Yeah, at all. we mostly stay inside. Like when we lived in Iowa for more than a decade, like we didn't know any of the parks around us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we mostly, we're like hermits, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this was a little bit of a, a deviation from that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> so does your hermit, does the hermit tendencies, did that, did that support you in, in writing the book? I mean, we, I'm holding in my hands, your book, uh, post-colonial astrology, reading the planets through capital power and labor. And, um, we'll talk, definitely talk about it, but, um, yeah, I'm just curious about that process of, of the hermit life and writing. Yeah. 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 There's this book that's out called post-colonial astrology. It's out for order. Uh, but yeah, I think it's easier to write if you're a little bit of a hermit, at least in my experience. Uh, I mean, this last year, everyone's kind of been forced to be a hermit, but for sure, like, you know, besides work and I was working uh, like, you know, two different jobs. So I was working a lot, but other than that, I didn't really like, you know, want to go outside. So mm-hmm. mostly staying inside writing, it made it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would I'm also somewhat of a hermit, so I I can I can kind of relate to some of that experience. Was it was it there's so much research that went into this this text. Um and I guess I'm curious just how like if you want to talk about how you decided to write this particular text. And what it, you know, it sounds like you've been a student of or of astrology for for quite some time. But um, this feels like a very like an intervention. Um, And I'm just curious about what what led up to that for you or inspired it. Yeah, like when uh, when my editor Gillian 
wrote to me and was like, do you have anything you want to write? I was just like, yeah, like I definitely do. This is what I've been obsessed with. And it's just questions around what makes Western astrology Western? Uh, like mm. you know, if it's not universal, then like, you know, how does it work the way that it does or how does it work in general? Um, if it's climate based, like what, you know, where is it really coming from? Like mm-hmm. I was really interested in this question of the how. So I'm really glad I got the chance to explore that. The process for writing the book, it was much more of a reading process. Mm-hmm. Like writing itself, it's really fast. So like most of the time it's spent doing research. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you, are you like self-taught or have you, what has been your training in, in both, I guess, you know, Western astrology and also you know, this sort of more theoretical and historical research that you were doing for the book. Yeah, um, with a lot of the, well, with astrology, like I was learning a lot through books. It's just like easier for me to learn through text than through uh, like, you know, sound. And so I didn't really take any classes, like formal mm-hmm. classes. I read a lot of books, um, you know, Demetra George, uh, things like that. And then like with the research process, for the book like there were definitely some things I had just noticed over the years that I wanted to write about but that was just kind of a scaffolding uh, so mm-hmm. that was, yeah I was doing a lot of research to kind of like flesh out those concepts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think I guess if we maybe we can get into a little bit of it what I you know one of the things that really I'll just say this up front. I, you know, like every seemingly like every many, you know, queers in the Western world have some vague notion of, you know, how astrology circulates to kind of, I don't know, like uh, help maybe as a way to. I don't know, I think you said something about being like a shorthand for, you know, wanting to get to know someone or wanting to get to know the sort of maybe like subterranean or other parts or motivations of who people are. Um, and, and yet I have no formal training and I don't know any, I I really don't know anything about Western astrology, but I know how it, like how it tends to circulate in, especially in like in the queer world. Um, and I just wonder if before we get into, you know, some of, the the themes in the in the book if you have any like any thoughts on that or um observations about that kind of phenomenon totally yeah because i feel like there's so many different forms of astrology that's being like practiced Uh, so like canonically astrology is very like um, it's very disciplined. It's mostly used by white men with mm-hmm. like some kind of social political power. But then what started to happen is, um, and this is like hearsay, like I wasn't alive for this, but what started to happen is like during the 80s, like uh, feminists started to use astrology. And that's where we get kind of horoscope columns uh, from feminist zine culture. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, now this like queer form of astrology that's being practiced, it's like kind of an inheritance of that. Um, mm-hmm. So like it, yeah, it changes things. Like I feel like the queer use of astrology, it's like, it, it is different. It's kind of how when queer people use gender, it's like, it's very different than how, um, like maybe uh, like a more heteronormal idea of gender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
did you, is that part of what, what kind of, I don't know, drew you to astrology was, was that, that working within that kind of lineage of, you know, the like zine culture, horoscopes type of stuff? Like, is that, was that in a part of how you got into it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other part of how I got into it, because I got into it in 2015-ish. And so during that time, there wasn't like a whole lot of interest in astrology. There was like, there was more interest in tarot at the time, I think. Uh huh. And so like, I think that when you're getting into astrology at that point, it kind of seems contextless. Uh, so then it seems like almost like a relief. So then like, you know, once you really get into your like, oh, hey, like there is a context, what is the context, uh, things like that. Um, but it like, you know, I think that a lot of people enter into astrology during times of crisis. So I had kind of a crisis during that time too, which is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, is there, is there a way we, you could talk about some of what astrology maybe, or the astrology at that time, the study of astrology kind of helped um helped you navigate in terms of that that crisis like what is what what kind of insights or support did it did it offer you Uh, i think that a lot of times when you're feeling really alienated you can like it's just such a sigh of relief if you see someone recognize what you're going through and Mm. like by looking at like different transits or different like different placements like you can you get that feeling from strangers on online from people you know so mm-hmm. it's like yeah it feels kind of like this magical recognition magical recognition yeah i like that i i think that that's that's a really cool way of framing it and i think that that's that is kind of how i've understood um astrology to sort of circulate in in more queer discourses or queer worlds or whatever. Um, but I also think that part of, or I've, I've noticed that part of what you're doing in the book is, is kind of going beyond certainly that, that moment or those, that relief of magical recognition and kind of entering into putting context, essentially like putting context around what, what, um, constitutes western astrology and um in a way that i think is really is really interesting but also i wonder if it it um there's a lot of like scrutiny in that you bring to um kind of western notions of astrology um i wonder what that process was like i mean do you feel like you were kind of like alone in that in a way like did it kind of bring you back into a bit of that hermit like you know i'm i'm on this solitary quest like trying to understand this or are there other um folks that you felt uh supported by or inspired by no i didn't yeah i didn't really feel uh in solitude through like you know the kind of like the criticism of western astrology i think a lot of people are like having critiques of it, just having yep. questions about, uh, like, yeah, what what is it saying? Because like with a, a lot of the the syntax within the language, 
you can't really talk about Jupiter without talking about institutions. You can't really talk about Venus and Mars without talking about gender. So a lot of people are mm. like feeling really disturbed by it. So I definitely didn't feel so alone in that pro- um, process. It's just, I feel like there's kind of this like group collective questioning of what this practice is saying by a lot of astrologers. Yeah. 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 Do you feel like astrology and doing this book project, um, doing readings, um, practicing astrology, you know, interacting with other astrologers and people have studied it. Is it, is there a way you can talk about how it has maybe helped you to understand yourself and in relationship to your social, you know, this, the world and also just understand yourself as the complicated, you know, person that you are. Yeah, I think so. I think with Western astrology, what it's really good for is like, it's really useful for acknowledging wounds and for digging, Mm. um, especially wounds that are recognized by the West. And so it's a really useful language for kind of unpacking your relationship to the West. Mm. And so like, that's why I think like, well, you know, queer people have such a satirical relationship to the West. So that's why like the language itself, it changes so much as queer people use it. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's really useful for just acknowledging pain, but like, you know, you like, we're not our pain. So like, it's not the only language that's available to us for healing or anything like that, but it can be really useful. Mm. Can you help me to understand that? Like how, how it is that astrology, Western astrology kind of helps, provides a framework for understanding wounds. Is there a way you can kind of like, I don't know, give me an example or help me understand that a little bit. Mm, I think it really changes on like, depending on the form of the practice. And then, so with a lot of the client work, uh, like if you're talking about the son, you can talk about, you know, father, uh, this idea of the patriarch. And just by talking about this um, person's specific relationship to father, like what they see as father, how they experience it. Like, I think a lot of healing can happen. Um, And same with Venus and Mars. It's like, hey, if your nodes are ruled by Venus and Mars, if you have it as a nodal bender or something, it's like, what's your relationship to gender? Like, how's that changing all the time? Um, It can be really useful to talk about it. But again, like, you know, we are not just our relationships to father, to gender. Um, Like, there's a lot more going on. Um, But it's like, it's definitely useful for talking about it. Like, um, during the client sessions. And then that's where a lot of like the learning happens for me. Mm. So then, I mean, I write too, but then like during the writing process, like it's just kind of my opinion. So any kind of delineation or anything like that, you can take it with a grain of salt. Like it's just my perspective on things I've observed, but um, yeah, the client sessions, like it, like I find it really useful to not delineate, to not like say your opinions, but to just ask questions and to really figure out like what another person's experiences. Mm, mm-hmm. It's sort of a framework. And then the interpretation kind of happens between the two of you, like or between you and the client session, the Definitely. client in the session. Yeah. 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 
I mean, it's, it sounds a lot like therapy in some ways, how I practice therapy, um, in, in that, in that regard. Yeah. It's interesting. And it's interesting to think about, yeah, the, the kind of needing of, or desperation, I guess that that's in that we collectively kind of long for to have a framework for understanding both individual, but collective wounding. Um, and it does seem like astrology is, is a place for that um, for some people. I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, because your, your book is um, very much focuses on um, you know, a lot of things, but like the, the kind of historical, um, origins of Western astrology and the way in which, you know, Western astrology is not universal. It's not a universal truth. Um, I really, I just want to point out this part of the, and this is just one part of the book, but I'm very curious about this, um, this framework and it's, it's in the conclusion, but you say that stealing astrology back is about making the white institution smaller and more specific. So there's more room around it for indigenous and migrant cosmologies to live for decolonization to happen. The West and its cosmological claims to land must shrink. And I know I'm just picking out one, one, you know, very powerful point, but is there is there more you can say about that that line of critique um, and how how your positionality you know as as an immigrant as a also as a settler you know kind of what you had to navigate or what you do navigate in order to sort of reside in this critique and what it means for you um, wherever that question takes you. Well, I think that's why I want to describe Western astrology uh, mm. and to also describe the West using Western astrology, because I think when you describe something, when you're able to describe something, it shrinks, it gets a little bit smaller. Um, like if you are not able to describe something, it like kind of becomes an assumed normal and assumed neutral. Uh, so it's like, it's really important to be able to describe these things. Um, and then, I think that also like, well, you know, astrology, like what it is, it's a language and the purpose of language is to actually turn reality like into fiction. Cause like we don't live in reality, we live in an ideology. And so like what kind of happens with this is that when you're able to describe the ideology that you're living in, like, you know, you, yeah, you can become um, kind of like just more self-conscious of your own position and things like mm -hmm. that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And how does that I, I, I yeah, I hear that and it, it makes sense. I, I how does that. I guess I wonder what that like sort of frees you up or hopeful you what you hope it might free other people up to. Um, to kind of imagine or to understand if if indeed you know um sort of western astral astrological cosmologies sort of shrink in in the way that you described like what what feels possible yes yeah, so many things feel possible i feel like we can uh, like create new cosmologies we can 
look at existing cosmologies that are not Western. Um, yeah, Western astrology is so big is the thing. Like it, mm. it's exported out like everywhere um, and it erases existing cosmologies. So yes. then, yeah, like what happens is like we can look at, yeah, just like different languages. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that? I guess I wonder if you're how you, I don't know, like how you see yourself as an immigrant and someone who uh, maybe has been exposed to a multiplicity of languages and, and cultural orientations and, and maybe even yeah, cosmologies. I'm just thinking back to the story about, you know, the cicadas and and how your mom related so differently um, to the experience. And I, I know that that was that could be partly like personality, but also it's 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 has its origins in something that your mom experienced um, in China, and that it it was specific to a different context. And so it sounds like there's something about your own life, life experience that kind of has always or maybe helps you to see um, and experience the the fact that that new cosmologies are or formal formally like centered as cosmologies, you know, could potentially be elevated or um acknowledged um yeah i mean i think like like i got a literal inheritance of books from my grandpa who passed away last year and that's all books about the eating and so that's chinese cosmology Mm -hmm. Um, like i can't like i can't read chinese is the thing so i have to kind of piece it together and so that's why i came back and so pick up the books um so like i'm kind of uh yeah i'm kind of unpacking that inheritance and um, like looking at it over the next years um but mm. i think one way that i definitely inherited chinese cosmology is like the trajectory is very convoluted um like chinese cosmology it's like it's not administered administered by the modern state of china and actually like you couldn't study it in the mainland so my grandpa couldn't study it uh, he was interested in it when he was a kid but then he was um, not allowed to study until he was an old person. So, like, yeah, there's that layer. Um, mm. It's just, it's a very convoluted thing because it's as convoluted as, like, the concept of China, which is a concept. It's not exactly a state. It's a state now, but then it was an empire in ancient times. And then, so what happens with it is that it's something that's being practiced outside of the existing state in different forms, um, but not so much within the mainland. And um, yeah, it is, I mean, it is land-based. It's based on an intersection of two rivers, uh, the Huanghua and the Luohua. And then, so, like, that's the, that's the yin yang thing. Um, but it's something that changes over time. So there is a satirical element to it, too. Mm. Um, for instance, like, a lot of concepts within Chinese cosmology, they get reused by Hong Kong gangster films. And then they refer to different things within that context. And then they become ways that people kind of call out corruption, political corruption. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Like it lives as a contemporary language for sure in different ways. 
yeah so kind of like the this inheritance is really interesting do you feel um or did you know that your your grandfather had a longing or an interest in um in this study like did was this something that the two of you talked about or um, we talked about it sometimes like we definitely like had you know like big language gaps and cultural mm-hmm. differences uh we're born like on the same birthday uh, wow. and so yeah we have like we're the same chinese element um uh, and uh like zodiac sign too because we're born exactly 60 years apart so like there's just some proximity between me and my grandpa but that happens often in my family like people kind of are born in paris sometimes but like in different years and hmm. then uh like he's i mean he studies everything like you know he was a gemini moon so he was studying like bitcoin blockchain <laughs> until he died too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow that's an interesting I mean, I've, I've heard, I, it's not something surprising, but it feels, it's very potent. It seems very potent when it, it exists in your own, you know, kind of family system that there's, there's that, that sort of, um, twinship in a way of, of birth dates and, um, yeah, I don't know if I've ever experienced, I don't know. People talk about like uh, sharing a birthday, for instance, right? And what that means. But that sounds like, I don't know. I just, I, I never know. I suppose I don't know exactly what to make of it. And maybe there's nothing definitive to make of it, but it, that the, the phenomenon is interesting to me. Um, that idea of, of like those pairings and um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like what, what do you, you said it seems to happen with some frequency or you've noticed, noted it. Um, yeah. I mean, me and my grandpa are really similar personality wise. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we both like to like pick at our skin. We both don't like to do chores. Um, so like, and we both like to read in like dark rooms, small dark rooms. Um, so like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're really similar. Um, yeah, the other birthday parents is like my aunt and then her brother, my uncle. So they're both Gemini's. It's actually his birthday, I think, today. So I have to remember oh, that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they're born, like, they're born two days apart. And then my dad and my aunt's husband, um, but they're both like, so that means that my mom and her sister married uh, two people who have the same birthday. Uh-huh. So, yeah, they. I mean, that's a pairing too, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some, some, like, in some ways, like their personalities are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Is that, is there something, is that, I mean, kind of going back to this, like the crisis moment you were talking about and the idea of like finding something resonant or reflective about yourself, um, finding community and connection in this idea that like, you know, just the similarities, like the kind of sense of, of belonging that comes along with, you know, knowing a human who also has shares your birthday and and also shares a lot of your qualities and traits. I feel like that is kind of essentially what draws a lot of people to, you know, getting an, 
astrological reading or, you know, they're, they're sort of seeking both a knowledge of the self, but also through other, through a shared, a collective experience. Like that's what feels interesting to me potentially about astrology, like this kind of idea of like, like collective and individual liberation or self-knowledge. For sure. Yeah. Cause it's a language. It's not like, um, yeah, it's not like, uh, like just a framework or anything like that is a language. So then you can use it for anything. Like you can use it to write music, to like make a play, to you can use it for anything. Um, mm. I was doing an event with Don't Tell the Village Elders. And like during that workshop, someone was just saying like, well, like, you know, like languages, what they are, they're organizing tools. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, like, yeah, it has the potential to become an organizing tool. And it like, it does exist as one. Hmm. Do you, do you have, like, what do you think about that? The language as an organizing tool when it comes to, do you feel critical of the way that Western astrology is maybe utilized? Does it distress you that it, it, it can be somewhat, um, an uncritical, I guess, um, view of that, it, that it, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, does it reify the very things that, you know, the very like kind of, um, settler colonial kind of values or themes that, that a lot of organizing is attempting to upend. Yeah, because, like, I think that, um, well, I mean, in my experience, like, what really alienates people, like, from each other is just not speaking the same language. Because mm. um, I was doing a lot of, like, community work with people who just don't speak the same language, actually. And then, so, like, you know, that's, like, the number one thing. Um, and then it is, like, you know, okay, like, we're able to have solidarity from people who experience the world, like, so differently in many different types of like uh, like geographies climates cosmologies uh, because there is a shared sense of wounding um mm-hmm. and like yeah there, i mean that does feel really sad uh and then i mean i like if someone is like hey i'm using this language um to kind of like joke and have fun like yeah i'm not against that i think that like mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's it's really important that we're able to like to joke about our wounds too um yeah yeah absolutely yeah like there can be some levity to the levity alongside the wounding um which which i think again going back to kind of just how i've experienced conversations or um yeah conversations about astrology is often that right it's like oh my you know we share the same we share these same traits and they're terrible and they're also amazing mm-hmm. and you know there's there is levity around it yeah, yeah. it's powerful when astrology kind of becomes meme culture cuz it's really powerful when gender becomes a meme culture too mm mhm mhm how do you this is kind of shifting us a little bit away from from the book and more towards just kind of you as a a human in the world, but how do you feel like 
your study of astrology and practice of, you know, of, of astrology impacts the way you relate sort of socially or um, just in the world. Right. You know, I mean, you have this people, sometimes people ask me the same thing. Like, do you ever take your therapist hat off or, you know, right. Like this idea that you have um, a kind of a deep knowledge or awareness of, of this language. Um, and do you feel like it helps guide you or do you feel ever like it sort of clutters things or gets in the way like you, you know, hyper-focused for instance on, I don't know, someone's chart or their birthday or whatever. Like, do you find that, what, how does that work for you? Mm, I don't think it really gets to be a problem for me. Like, the way I practice astrology as a person is really different from how I practice it as an astrologer with clients. Mm. Uh, Cause like mostly, honestly, what I do with astrology as a person is like kind of through role-playing with my partner. Uh, so it becomes really fun. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, and you know, it's, yeah, I don't feel like I'm wearing my astrology hat at all. Hmm. Is there more you can say about this role-playing with your partner? I don't know. I'm kind of embarrassed. Like, it's not like all sexual or anything. Sometimes it's just like role playing, like homemaking or something like that. Right. Right. Like different dimensions of, of yeah. self, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's but, fun. Yeah. It's kind of like role playing BTS members or something. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's right. As you said, it's, it's just like one language to kind of, or uh, one framework to, to, um, to operate through, but that's, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Um, so you, in your personal life, the way it, it functions is very different than how you, you sort of hold space for, for the people that come to see you to, to, I don't know. What do you feel like they're often looking for when they're coming to see you? For yeah, reading? It's totally different. I mean, I think people want to talk about their pain somewhere in a safe space where everything's mm -hmm. confidential. So I really try to provide that. Um, and I mean, yeah, if, you know, someone wanted to provide like role playing, like different signs as a healing experience, like it is really healing. It can be really fun too. I don't, you know, that's not something I provide, but um, like, yeah, there's just, it's a language. It's so moldable. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's so interesting. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still thinking about the idea of like role-playing different signs. Um, <laughs> but I bet that's really, I mean, just thinking about that, it, it, it occurs to me that it's very, it must be very, um, kind of liberating for, um, especially people who don't have a lot of other or haven't come across a lot of other um, frameworks for, for kind of opening up the possibility of different forms of expression, kind of, I, I, I don't know. My, my first association is like the function of, um, of some BDSM practices when it comes to trauma healing, right? Like, it, you know, you have, let's say there's someone who has experienced sexual trauma and, for some people, um, this whole other kind of world of ways of, of obviously consensually relating to power dynamics can be so appealing and kind of open things up. 
And it sounds, I guess that's my association to, to when you're talking about kind of role playing with the signs and um, totally. makes me think of people. Yeah. People who might feel really like stuck or limited um, in what they feel like they can imagine as possible. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, yeah, like queer people have a really kinky relationship to astrology. <laughs> yes, I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. And then like, you know, it's not like we're looking for like physical pain sometimes, but sometimes like emotional pain. Mm, interesting. Why do you think us queers want to are drawn to that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. It's an interesting. It's really interesting question, though. Like. I guess I guess what what it makes me think of is just, again, like how. how you can use new frameworks for relating to, as you said, you know, like gender, sexuality, expressions of, um, and, and this is about potentially sort of playing, literally playing with um, our woundedness and pain and, and bringing in some kind of expansiveness, some sense of possibility, um, some levity even. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then it feels really good to do that with people that we trust. Um, that you trust. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard to do that with strangers sometimes. I think with strangers, like it does have to be more serious and more tender. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much in this book that, you know, we could talk about and I, I really, I look forward to kind of hearing about how folks receive this, this book. Um, I think the only other, the, the, the only other question, and this is obviously like a, a very, it's a very expansive kind of question, but the only other thing I wanted to ask you about is, is how specifically like you, um, you are thinking about, you say in the, in the intro that in the book, I often compare astrology as a system of classification to race. Um, race is a language that was invented by white people, reappropriated by post-colonial thinkers and still continues to cut into indigenous sovereignty. Um, what, what do you want folks to understand about that as a person of color and as a person who is, you know, insisting on and compelled to talk about race and that race as a language. Well, race came out of astrology. Like that's the shocking thing that I found. Uh, like race was formerly a religious system and also cosmological one. Uh, okay. And this is like studied by Sylvia Winter. Uh, it like, you know, it shows up in Totemy if you look at his writing about particular astrological concerns like there's this idea that astrology is based on observation and i think like you know my assumption around it was oh like there must be an astrologer looking at when this transit happens what happens to people but it's not like those aren't the like observations that they're talking about the observations they're talking about they're racial they're cultural mm. or geographical and then so like yeah like race comes out of astrology and then like it is yeah it's a violent system with a violent history and 
so you know the way to minimize race is to describe it so to keep talking about it right so, yeah and i think that a lot of like how i relate to western astrology is like it's really similar to that is just like hey like we have to be louder about how we talk about these things um with its full context so then um you know like we're able to minimize it we're able to understand that it's like um like it's an apparatus mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i think it, i appreciate yeah that framing and it does that certainly comes across in this in this book and um there's no way to um fully kind of acknowledge all the ways that 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 plays out in the book but i think it's it's um it's a really powerful, like I said, a really powerful intervention. And um, so I guess, you know, we were ending, we're nearing the end of our time together. And I want to uh, make sure you're able to talk about um, how people can find the book, what what is up with the book, and also with your your practice and any other offerings that you, how can people find out about that? Yeah, um, yeah, you can order the book anywhere you get books, like if your local bookstore like doesn't carry it, you can call them and ask them to stock it. It's out right now. Check it out if you like astrology and you're, um, yeah, you're just into astrology. I have a website, Alice Sparkly Cat, that's cat with a K dot com. Um, on it, I post a lot of writing about astrology. Um, I have a mailing list with horoscopes. I offer readings. Uh, the readings, like, two time slots open up daily but you have to be on my mailing list right now to get it but i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna open it to the public soon so like yeah and check out the website check out the book awesome yeah well i i can't wait to hear more reflections back about what folks are thinking um about your work and i'm glad we were able to um to meet up and have this conversation and um yeah, I thank you for your time. No, thank you. Yeah, thanks for talking with me. Thanks for holding space. Yeah, yeah.